Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. I want to thank all you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. And again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast and the continued and growing support here on the Seems Legit Podcast. All right, I'm a little energized. I'm on my second uh, extra-large coffee of the morning already. It is uh, my rest day uh, from the gym this week, uh, powered through the first few days, but uh, have to, pardon me having the cable person come in today to take a look at my cable system. For some reason, I keep getting error message every so often, so... Got to get that fixed. So I figured let's take the day off from the gym, uh, work out around home. I think I've already done four sets of pull-ups, done some shoulder exercises. Uh, Going to do some abs in a little bit uh, after recording this episode. Don't do abs while naturally recording an episode. But uh, nonetheless, uh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, and I've talked about that too, is how important it is, I feel at least for myself, to even when I'm not in the gym going through a hard intensive workout, still finding ways to exercise at home to complement uh, the progress I've been doing at the gym. And not only that, I th- for me, it started, you know, as I, as I got on this track of getting back in shape and getting into better shape, it was kind of what established some kind of building blocks to be able to go to the gym. It started with, you know, the working out at home, going skating, those kind of things, you know, and now it's blossomed into going to the gym every day, working out at home you know, skating, uh, ball hockey, all of these things. So it's, it's always a journey. And I think the easiest things I was, I was, t- uh, talking, was it Jess? I think I was telling this to, um, is just the reminder that this was, these were things I was doing at one time, right? This level of activity, this level of workout, all of that were things I was doing and wasn't even batting an eyelash, and uh, to be so far removed from those days, I think, was a big wake-up call for me. And I felt, you know, lot, you know, this winter getting back into the gym, I mean, like earlier this year in January, it was a wake-up call to be like, wow, I never expected to be this out of shape, especially so relatively young. And, and I mean, and in the grand scheme, yeah, there were probably people that are in worse shape than me. But for myself, I just felt like there is no excuse for this. And, uh, you know, sometimes we need those wake up calls. I know for me, as I've shared on the podcast before, there was, you know, some things that came back and some blood work that weren't, uh, too friendly, uh, for me and things that were completely preventable, things that were completely curable and reversible. So I figured, fuck it. Why not? All I have to do is get back into shape and this goes away and I don't even need to get back into shape. I just need to, you know, trim down a little bit. Fine. Done. And I think that's part of it too. When you look at kind of fitness or lifestyle or any of these things. That's all it really is. is It's just about getting healthier, getting, you know, into better kind of condition, right? Being stronger, having better cardio conditioning. And the rest kind of takes care of itself in a way. You know, you watch what you eat. You know, you try to, you eat better, right? I'm not going to hide that. You know, you, you do watch what you eat. You do try to eat better. That is a very important component um, kind of of getting in better health, right? Is the size, you know, if you do happen to go out, right? You try to cut limit how much you're eating out. You try to have healthier meals. You try to have health, you know, more home cooked meals, more nutritious meals, you know, avoid the snacking, um, you know, things like that, you know, cutting back, you know, on alcohol, all of those things. 
all make a difference. Uh, and I think for some people, the biggest difference too, you know, they notice it. I mean, it's just, in, and sometimes it's the smallest changes, right? It's cutting out soft drinks, cutting out juices. You know, all of a sudden they're like, whoa, I'm already noticing a difference. Yeah. So it's, it, it's all about building upon it. It's not all of a sudden make this drastic change, at least in my opinion. And everybody has their own take on it. But I mean, it's a give and take because you don't want to be too restrictive and then you end up resenting what it is you're doing and then you fall completely off, right? And, and I'm not saying that, you know, some of these restrictive diets and things don't work. Of course they do. But it's, it's what's best for you. And I know for me, following you know, some kind of restrictive formulated diet plan. It wasn't for me, you know, and, and power to people that can power to, I have a, a friend down the States who, um, she's on Instagram. She, uh, has her big thing on keto. That's her big thing. That's helped her a ton in losing weight, you know, and from that, you know, from losing some weight, she, you know, start going to the gym, exercise doing exercise at home. And, and it just slowly built on itself. And her foundation was keto. She found that, um, you know, just changing her diet, observing kind of that keto lifestyle was what she needed to do. And it's worked. I mean, the results speak for itself. She's noticeably um, changed her health and everything as as her fiance. Uh, you know, he had some health issues and part of, you know, and a big part of getting into better health was losing some weight. So it's how we approach the journey, right? And it's not just that number on the scale. It's it's the overall health and conditioning, right? Because, I mean, I look at the scale and it can, you know, go up or down. But then you look in the mirror and you're like, yeah, okay. I'm, cons you know, you might say, okay, I'm considerably more muscular. I'm less muscular, whatever it is. But, you know, I'm noticeably slimmer. Uh, my clothes fit better. It's those kind of things, right? It's you're not out of breath. You're sleeping better. Not only that, I've noticed too, the biggest thing too is the efficiency of my sleep. So last night I was in bed relatively early and got up around 5.30 in the morning. And the weird part was, is, I mean, I could have probably gotten up. I'd gotten about six, seven hours, about six-ish hours of sleep. Um, I think, yeah, probably about six. I was in bed around, I want to say 11 and fell asleep right away. Got up around 5.30, six and a half hours. Uh, could have gotten, could have gotten up and said, got up, peed. Went back to bed, you know, watched some TV for a little bit, and then went back to bed, fell asleep for another almost three hours. Uh, but, I mean, to each their own. But I've noticed my sleep is considerably better, knock on wood, and it's more efficient. I, 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 can, I need less of it because the sleep I'm having is that much more productive, if that makes sense, and, you know, not to sound too cheesy or anything like that. But anyway... Uh, what I wanted to talk about today is uh, poker related. I haven't done a poker episode. Let's see here in a little while. Uh, ch -ch -ch -ch. Yeah, I would say probably about six, seven, at least. Yeah, quite a few episodes now, probably almost 10 episodes. So um, nonetheless, let's uh, get into that. Let's talk about uh, some poker. And uh, I want to talk about one event in particular that has gone away but was one of my favorite events as a poker fan. And I always describe that as myself, as not just a poker player, not just, a, you know, and whatever level that has been throughout the years, whether that be amateur, recreational, professional, whatever that be throughout the years. More importantly than that, I've always been a poker fan. And uh, I love poker. I love the sport. I love the game aspect. I love watching poker. I love studying poker. I love dissecting it, all of that. 
And I think for me, that's been a big part of it. it um, you know, not just my success, but, you know, kind of that continued appreciation of poker is the studying and just being a fan of it. And, I, and maybe all poker players are, I don't know, right? There are some people that live for the playing of it and talking about, but they're not fans necessarily of it. But I know for me, I am a true fan of poker and I can watch poker. I can watch it being played. Um, even this summer, uh, there were days when I wasn't necessarily playing at events and I was still on my poker go app watching uh, poker, sitting at a bar, watching poker down in Vegas. And for me, that was a great afternoon. That was time well spent. Uh, but anyway, one of my favorite events uh, kind of went away and what I would, you know, I would just love for it to come back. And I think as poker is growing now more than it has in the past, now more than ever would be truly a great time, in my opinion, to bring this event back. Now, it doesn't have to be the same people bringing it back, but um, a format or, you know, that type of event would be great. And, um, and probably the, the, the people that would bring back would probably be Poker Go. Uh, Poker Go has been the one that has brought back uh, Poker After Dark. Uh, I think that the thing might be with Poker Go is, especially up here in Canada, I don't know if there's a way to get Poker Go on your TVs per se, other than if you have like, uh, uh, I think it's Chromecast or something like that, where you can uh, project, you know, get your whatever's on your phone onto your TV. But other than that, there's no Poker Go app, I think, or channel for your TV. I wish there was, and maybe there is. I should probably look at that uh, on my TV. But uh, Poker Go would probably be the one to bring this back, but who knows? I mean, ESPN could. Uh, you know, variety networks could, but I mean, Poker Go has kind of taken on on the forefront of being the channel for poker, and that's what they are. I mean, they're a streaming service dedicated to poker. They've acquired the libraries of old poker broadcasts that weren't had nothing to do with them. Um, as I said, they've brought back a lot of the programming that I mean, I kind of quote unquote grew up watching. I remember being a kid watching Poker After Dark, and imagining, man, that'd be so cool to play on that, right? And I mean, it is what it is. So, watching that, and I mean, Poker After Dark has had various venues it was played at, uh, you know, various personalities, various players through the years, Ivy, Helmuth, Dwan, uh, Hastings, Negreanu, Ferguson, all of these people have all played on Poker After Dark, and now as we get into that next generation of poker player, and we kind of watch something interesting happen as I kind of sidebar here for a little bit. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Daniel Negreanu actually will um, did end up uh, clinching the 2019 WSOP Player of the Year, uh, which is an incredible feat, um, considering I think it's come something like 16 years after he won his first one, uh, or maybe 13 years. It, nonetheless, it's been years since he won his first one. He's the first player to ever win three. I think at one point, I think he was actually the only person to ever win two, um, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but he did win. He's on to his third, and I know for sure he's the only person to win three Player of the Years. Uh, I'll have to check the final standings to see where Robert Campbell and Sean Deeb came in. Sean Deeb was famously trying to make history as the first person to win back to back Player of the Years, and he put in a tremendous effort and came fucking close. Um, he didn't necessarily have as dominant a summer as he did uh, last year. Uh, but still very consistent, very good showing um, by Sean Deeb. Robert Campbell, I think, won a couple of bracelets in the summer. So, you know, a variety of these things um, and factors play in as to, you know, as to how you get and put yourself in position uh, to win uh, something like Player of the Year. But nonetheless, Sean Deeb, 
uh, didn't, uh, so history was made and it was going to be made whether Sean Deeb won it or Daniel Negreanu. Uh, they have a kind of a bit of a rivalry going on between the two of them. Having played with both of them, um, I don't think it's something that's just for the cameras, just for Twitter. I don't know. I don't know them well. I've played with them. I play in events with them. I've sat at tables with them. I've been beside them. I've seen um, how they get with each other. Uh, and there's there's clearly some animosity between the two of them, uh, which kind of builds up the rivalry. And I think is, in a way, good for poker. I think poker needs some of these rivalries. Um, it pushes everybody. I know when I've had rivals um, at the felt, it's pushed me to play better. Uh, it's probably pushed the, uh, my rival to push uh, to play better. So it, it, it is what it is. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Negreanu got it done. And I think, so where that kind of ties in, as I said, is you have this, the new generation, the old generation, you have poker that's kind of, it's growing. And everybody can bring something. So the event I'm going to talk that I want to talk about and I want brought back is the NBC National Heads Up Championship. It was an annual poker tournament held in the United States. Uh, you held, um, I think it started at um, the Golden Nugget was where the first event took place, and then at, and then was subsequently moved to Caesar's Palace. Uh, it's a single elimination uh, heads up tournament, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and nonetheless, um, was kind of, they had a weekly episode, whatever it was. And it was, I thought it was a very, it was a great, great tournament. It was a $25,000 buy an invitation only, um, poker tournament heads up, of course, uh, with the game being played, of course, no limit hold'em. And that's typically what you find playing heads up. Um, I've seen heads up tournaments in other variants like pot limit Omaha. Actually, I think that's pretty much the only one. Um, and yeah, nonetheless, it was, uh, 64 of the best players brought in, uh, into, into a bracket consisting of four, um, brackets, uh, which of course were named after the card suits, clubs, diamonds, hearts, and spades. Uh, and it was single elimination until, uh, the finals, which were best two out of three. The inaugural one, of course, um, being, uh, won by none other than the poker brat himself, uh, Phil Helmuth, and yeah, so anyway, we can talk about the results here, so it was actually kind of interesting, uh, the all-time best record, I believe, was held by none other than Huck Seed, who went on, who was the winner in 2009, uh, but nonetheless, you had some great, great players, uh, Paul Wasica, who, uh, was a runner-up in the main event, in the 2006 main event, um, to none other than Jamie Gold, I believe. Won it in 2007. Uh, but anyway, now let's, let's go through the results. So in 2005, you had Phil Helmuth beating Chris Ferguson 2-1. to one. You had Ted Forrest in 2006 beating Chris Ferguson 2-1. to one. In 2007, you had Paul Waska beating Chad Brown 2-0. In 2008, you had Chris Ferguson making his... Uh, third uh finals appearance in the event uh beating andy block this time two to one in 2009 you had um the all-time best record at the uh, nbc heads up tournament um and former main event champion himself uh huck seed uh winning two nothing over vanessa russo and then in 2010 2011 you had a really interesting thing 
uh, where Annie Duke beat uh, Eric Seidel 2-1. to And then the next year, Eric Seidel made another finals appearance, being the first person since Chris Ferguson to make back-to-back um, finals appearances, and won the event. So over a two-year period, for um, Eric Seidel actually only had one loss, which was incredible. Uh, he beat Chris uh, Moneymaker 2-0 in 2011. Uh, Chris Moneymaker, of course, famous for winning the uh, 2003 World Series of Poker main event. Um, probably the most famous main event victory. Uh, in 2012, there was no champ uh, tournament. And then in 2013, it was brought back uh, where Mike the Mouth Mattisau, uh beat Phil Hellmuth in the final 2-1. Uh, to one. Uh, the, the reason why I loved this tournament, um, and wasn't just the stakes, the buy-in, I liked the fact that it was invitation only. I mean, I think nowadays there might be a play-in, or you might have to add a hundred, make it a 128-player field and make it a little bit bigger. Um, but nonetheless, uh, the thing that's inter- that I loved about it, <coughs> and what, and what re- it really did was, um... And it was the fact that it was heads up. So at any given time, you had to be the best person in the match, in the game, to move on. I love that about heads up play. I really and truly do. And that's why most athletes will tell you heads up is generally the for- hardest form to win at. Uh, you look at, and, and there was a long time I said, what's uh, the hardest sport to be successful, you know, to have consistent success at? Would it be tennis or would it be um, golf? And I had had this debate years ago with a friend of mine. And my friend said, I would say it's harder to be a champion at tennis than golf. And I said, why? And I said, you know, I said, for instance, golf is so hard that you win championships shooting a plus one. And my friend looked at me and says, yeah, if you play the equivalent of a plus one in a tennis match, you go home. That's the difference. And I was like, you know what? That's a very valid argument. Very strong, very powerful, very simple argument. Uh, and I loved it. And when I saw the NBA, the first time I watched the National Heads Up Poker Championship, I was just so drawn to this. I was like, oh my freaking God, this is the best event ever. Uh, and I think every year you won this big ring. I think for the first few years, the prize was, the first place was uh, half a million. Then it became three quarters of a million. I think today it'd probably be about a million bucks uh, to win first place. That uh, would be kind of the expected prize. Um, nonetheless, really interesting format. And you were kind of seeing even a, a bit of a, you know, a blending of kind of young, old, you know, established, unestablished, and even some of the um, players then that were flying kind of under the radar in an event that are big name players now that have been around for forever. A Johnny World Hennigan, who I think um, back then was only a couple of time bracelet winner. I think he was two or three time bracelet winner going against the likes of someone like Phil Ivey, who at one point I think was already up to 10 bracelets. Um, you know, Phil Helmuth, who had fam- who was a 12 time bracelet winner, I think when he um, played Mike uh, Matisau, uh for the uh, 2013 championship uh nonetheless it was really cool uh i think the other thing too is that even though wsop um and wsop.com became the presenting sponsor it wasn't an official wsop bracelet um event it wasn't an official wsop event it was held separately from the wsop at a different time of year um played it you know and then it was played on tv at a different time of year all of that uh, which was really cool, and I mean, I think the hard part was is you might is whilst you were see, you, you know players were probably having to play multiple matchups in a day. Uh, it was just how you could extend it, how you could create that um, 
kind of television and production value and make it a weekly show, whatever it was. I just thought the sake of the tournament could, the, the, the tournament itself, and especially when you see these higher stake tournaments um, growing in popularity, it would really be a great way to bring back and establish, again, one of those ways of proving, you know, who might be the best player or a way of becoming or, uh, you know, reaching that upper echelon of player, getting that notoriety, getting that um, recognition. You know, it was just a great event that I would love to see brought back. It was truly, uh, when I talk about poker events to watch and as a fan of the sport, it truly was, beyond a shadow of a doubt, my absolute favorite uh, poker event to watch. And I mean, even to this day, I'll still pull up YouTube, pull up old seasons, and watch seasons in their entirety. Uh, it's a great thing. I love watching it while I'm, uh, you know, actually, that's something I should get back into doing, watching it while I'm on the treadmill uh, at the gym. So it was just, you know, and, and as, you know, as for someone like me who I feel like you're always learning, it was just, you know, even going back then, and I mean, there's different strategies now, whatever, it was just so great to watch, um, especially in heads up play. Uh, as opposed to, you know, when you watch full, pardon me, ring games, as they, you know, as you would call them, you know, where it's a full table, uh, there's different strategies employed in different variants of poker and different, you know, how many players are uh, at the table. All of these variables contribute to how the game is played. And in my opinion, heads up play just allows you to truly use the most tools at your disposal uh you know you can set traps you can you have to avoid being caught in traps what your range is the moves you're gonna make when to make those moves um you know dealing with the stack sizes right those blinds get up there all of a sudden it might look like you have a lot of chips but not so quick right so just all of these things when it comes to heads up poker and i mean as myself who's played in a number of heads up um tournaments who uh, has played a lot of online heads up, no limit hold'em, pot limit Omaha. I played some. I played actually a lot of uh, the various games online heads up. Uh, for a long time, heads up was considered my specialty. Uh, you know, I've had a, I've had a lot of success over the years playing heads up online. You know, and you know maybe not playing the highest stakes of head heads up games. You know, where you get these guys playing six figure. Uh, heads up games but nonetheless still having um quite a lot of success myself um and being recognized as a great heads up player you know anybody who knows me uh, my quote-unquote poker family as they say you know what when it comes to heads up sunny's the bet right like that's the one if we you know have us re be represented by somebody in the team it, it would probably be me um which i you know and i and i really am humbled um, by people feeling that way about my heads up acumen, my heads up abilities. So I've always felt it, it's just such a great variant of uh, uh, playing poker and a great way to play uh, a game, especially a game like No Limit Hold'em, which I've long said has some structural flaws to it as a game um, and can kind of be a bit of a dull, boring game at times. That's that's kind of the complaint that a lot of people do have about No Limit Hold'em, um, especially nowadays where, you know, especially at full tables, where the ranges now kind of disappear. You know, everybody has a chart. Everybody has a, you know, is told, okay, if you get this end, this is what you have to do. It's all, so formulaic. When you get to heads up, now all of a sudden those formulas aren't necessarily as important. Those charts aren't necessarily going to get you through, you know, a field of 64 of the best heads up players. Um, there's ways to, you know, navigate the field. There's ways to navigate your matchup. Um, all of these things. 
So it's really just kind of a great way to establish, you know, at that time, I was the better player. And I think when you look at what Poker Go offers now and being at that forefront of the high stakes um, poker offerings, you know, Triton might get involved. They might decide to open a heads up term. I would just, I'd love to see heads up, no limit hold them, make a comeback. I think it would be great for everyone. I think what you would truly see then is a little more exciting. It's a fun game to watch. Heads up to me is a little more engaging to watch because there's a lot more action. There's more hands being played. You're getting to see the players. You're seeing the personalities. All of this. It's great for the fans. It's great for the players. It's great for the game of poker. And I think if you're going to have kind of a, you know, that official kind of bring back of the national heads up championship, however that format be, I could see, and I would, I mean, I, I would think Poker Go maybe has had the thought. Uh, I know there's already a field. I mean, I could come up with a roster of 64 players uh, maybe myself included, uh, you know, but, and I would love to, I would love to do that. I, and I don't, I don't just say that as, you know, oh, one day I've put my money where my mouth is. I've shown up. I have played, you know, the 10 K, uh, heads up event at the world series of poker. I've played a variety of heads up tournaments. Uh, so it's not like I'm sitting here like, oh, you know, on my high horse of, oh, you know, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback. No, 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 no. I've been in there. I've tangled with the best when it on the felt. So I'm prepared. I would easily be. And as I find myself being drawn more into playing heads up uh, these days, uh, it's just, you know, I, I was just thinking about this over the last few days and I've been really busy, but just, you know, what, let me do a podcast episode talking about my favorite poker tournament of all time. Uh, which was a recurrent event, and how I'd love to have it brought back. So, I, I mean, for me, I would love to see something like that brought back. Uh, whether you make the buy-in $25,000 or not, which, I mean, is a big buy-in, and, of course, would be polarizing to some players. The idea of tournaments and of the higher stakes or lower stakes event, kind of, I hate to say it, is that not all tournaments are meant for all players. And I know it sounds awful to say that, but it's 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 a fact. It is true. Um, and whether that's better for the game or worse for the game, there, there's different levels to the game. And whether you have an event like this be a $25,000 buy-in, players that should be there will find a way to be there. You know, whether they have to grind and build up that bankroll, sponsors, backers, whatever it might be, they will find a way to that event. You know, it's so different, and and I think, too, with the Poker Masters starting this week, I think that might have maybe triggered uh, my decision to do this episode today. But nonetheless, I'd love to see it brought back, and I could see how it would fit in, especially as Poker Go is doing more of these high roller events. They had the they have the Aria Super High Roller Bowl. They have the Poker Masters. They have the Poker US Open. I could see them bringing back the National Heads Up Championship. Uh, I don't know if the facility is big enough, so it might be something that they actually move into a room at Aria, uh, especially maybe that new convention space in Aria, which um, for those of you that don't know, they got rid of the Zarkana Theater. Uh, they got rid of Zarkana as a show um, down in Las Vegas, and they expanded uh, the convention area in Aria. Um, I think at the, in the grand scheme of it, uh, the, the whole Cirque du Soleil offering thing had become a little diluted. Um, and not to discredit Zarkana, I, I never saw the show and I've heard mixed things. I've heard it was a good show. I've heard it was, whatever it was, there's only so much time, um, tourists have and people have, uh, to go see shows. 
And in the grand scheme of it, sometimes you have to make some decisions. Which are the shows that people are going to want to see? Which are the shows that are going to have people coming back? Um, and what can be used for that space if it isn't going to be a Cirque du Soleil? Uh, Beatles Love, for instance, at MGM, where they have it, all of that. I don't know what else they would do with that. Oh, not at MGM, at uh, the Mirage. What would they do with that space? Right? At Aria, a great opportunity to come in. And Aria being kind of wanting to step in and be that high-class luxury resort bringing in you know the the professional conferences the professional travelers all of those it fits um i've long said that maybe they could expand you know that it's something that aria classic every year gets expanded do you maybe have the aria classic after the world series of poker you know and expand it more so it becomes its own big summer series. You have some kind of tangible prize you give away to the winners of every event. Um, things like that would be kind of interesting to see, I believe. Um, but nonetheless, I think going back to our heads up uh, conversation here, I think that might be the move is you maybe have it in the convention area. And then, you know, some of the features are held in the Poker Go Studios, which is right outside of ARIA. Um, right kind of where the Waldorf Astoria and Aria meet. Uh, for those of you that haven't been to Vegas or have been to Vegas and kind of know what I'm talking about. If you haven't been to Vegas, you wouldn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But uh, for those of you that have been to Vegas and are like, where is the Poker Go studio? You know, I've heard about it. I've never seen it. Uh, that's that's where that's located. So um, from my, I, I think that could be an excellent uh, location for it. I think logistically that would make the most sense. I think in terms of venue, it would make the most sense. I think it would just be a fucking awesome tournament to bring back. So uh, nonetheless, for those of you out there listening, I would love to see that tournament brought back. If you have a chance to check it out, check out the NBC National Heads Up on YouTube. Um, if you have Poker Go, they do have it, I believe, uh, in their archives. So check it out there. And I want to be clear, um, this my podcast isn't um, inspired by, or isn't... Um, sponsored by or influenced by poker go um and maybe there are other services out there it's just the one i know it's the one that i know and has kind of in my opinion kind of become the mainstream go-to for poker content uh in terms of watching those live or uh, you know and past events they've become they've kind of stepped up and become the forefront there and they do offer good service uh, in my opinion um i've now had the service for a few years and it's a very easy renewal. Like every year I sit there, I'm like, yeah, it's done. It's very, it's a, it's a relatively easy decision to make. So uh, nonetheless with that, <coughs> pardon me, Poker Go over at um, uh, uh, the Poker Go Studios, uh, Aria Casino, that could be the venue. And I would love to see the National Heads Up Championship being brought back. Uh, again, I mean, every year there was that big, beautiful ring. You could do something like that again. Um, so yeah, it would just be something I'd love to see brought back. I think it'd be great. I think it could fit into that high roller series of events that they have throughout the year. Um, but as I said, again, there are competing kind of organizations and quote unquote promotions out there that say that might hear this and be like, Hey, you know what? We'll pick up the slack here. The difference with Triton as opposed to, um, maybe, uh, poker go doing it is, uh, is that travel overseas that could be maybe the only thing that would may that could get in the way of it uh vegas is kind of the central hub uh for poker as far as i'm in um 
is the most central hub for poker um, on the planet still. Um, I know there are bigger, higher stakes games that go on in Macau and all over the place. Rosvedov hosts the WSOP uh, Europe, all these things. But I think Vegas is kind of still the home of poker, and I think it would be kind of the best venue. Uh, even though it used to be held at Caesars Palace, and maybe Caesars still wants to do it. Maybe the WSOP still wants to be a presenting sponsor of the event. And um, says, hey, you know what? Let's have it at Caesars Palace. Um, Caesars would have the room to accommodate it. Um, it is a classic venue. It would be uh, a great kind of return to classic Vegas. Uh, could you do it at the Golden Nugget? Possibly. They do have that convention hall. I think that could be. I don't know if they have the, you know, the same level of... Um, production capabilities maybe as other venues would but again that return to old school vegas uh nonetheless love to see the event come back i think it would be great for poker it would fit into this whole schedule as i've said of high rollers and now would be the time to bring it in fit it in for 2020 we're entering a new decade bring back some classic events and uh and, and allow the dude Sonny D to prove that he is the uh, the the true bad boy of poker, uh, and, and let me claim my belt, uh, my title, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I am the dude Sonny D. This has been a uh, another episode of the Seems Legit podcast. If you have, aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. I thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, again, I wanted to do some poker content. We hadn't talked about poker, so uh, brought you some poker content uh, today. Uh, thank you so much. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your day, evening, night, whenever you're listening to this episode. I appreciate the support. Really, I do. So hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and enjoy all the other episodes. Take care and bye-bye for now.